don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds, Facebook lowercase letters is having problems. Facebook capital letters is absolutely fine. Theo and I are back for another episode of Breaking Social, covering the biggest stories out of October and the beginning of November. Now, this episode was originally recorded live for the first time ever in our Facebook group. And that video is still sat there. If you prefer to watch it, just head over to the group. Yes, as we do monthly, this was an opportunity for me and Eve to sit down and talk about some of the biggest features and news updates, including Twitter's political ad ban, Facebook's ban on suggestive emojis, including the aubergine, and also Snapchat's recent successes, among other stories from the month. That's what makes it so obvious to me that this is a PR move, because they're already on the defensive in the third paragraph of their announcement. All this and more, coming up. Hello, we're we alive. Yes, we're, live? we're here. Welcome to Social Minds Live. Um, this is the first live podcast we've we've ever done through social minds which means that anything can happen <laughs> um i could die i, I do hope i don't I so hope you, you know don't we'll, either. We'll, we'll try and get through this I mean, and try are... and make it unscathed but i know i think a lot of people We'll be seeing the studio for the first time as well, which is quite exciting. That's a good point, yes. Because yes. I don't, the last time we actually filmed a full episode, we were still downstairs. Mm. So this is uh, where we film. And of course, being out on the, the Facebook group first, it's a well exclusive, so you guys see it first. Yeah, definitely. Um, Hopefully, if it goes well, it's something we can do on our actual later, public yeah. channels. I mean, let's let's start. We do every, every month, as you know, we do our sort of breaking social roundup. And this is sort of looking back on October and, you know, the start of November. And loads of stuff has been happening. Yeah. Absolutely loads. I will say throughout, if you've got any questions, please comment as we go in. And Ollie, who's sat just over there, will be yes, looking yeah. at those and letting us know. Yeah, you can actually hear him. Have you mic'd yourself up? I have mic'd he myself has, up. Of course, on he has, yeah. The elusive producer that you never get to hear. So, yeah, so asking questions in real time. It is uh, is an exciting day for all of us, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, well, let's get straight into it. So, Twitter at the moment, a few of you may, a few of you keep an eye on the news. Uh, you may have seen that Twitter have been making a lot of new moves lately, and there's a sort of there's a buzz around the industry at the moment. Like we're we're talking about Twitter a lot more, yeah. you know, like we were in 2016 almost. Yeah. You know, it's got a bit of a buzz around it at the moment, and yeah. this has all sort of come to a head with the announcement of well. The, we we assume that they're going to be launched in 2020, five new features for yeah. Twitter. Yeah, well, it was their vice president, um, Dantley Davis, who tweeted it out. And I think if it wasn't legit, he wouldn't have tweeted it. Mm -hmm. So you can pretty much count on these happening, you know, unless any major roadblocks come up and it's something's impossible. But they're all pretty small. Mm -hmm. But it is just, yeah, you're right. There's a whole buzz around Twitter at the moment. And it is just because of a series of updates that they've been mm -hmm. doing. They've just mm -hmm. been consistently making very smart choices. Some of them small, some of them big, which we'll get onto. Um, but these updates coming in 2020, basically the VP tweeted, features I'm looking forward to in 2020. And they include, remove me from this conversation. Don't don't allow retweet of this tweet. Don't allow people to mention you without your permission. So you can actually say, you know, don't let this person mm, mention me mm. because I don't know about everyone else, but it is quite annoying when you just get brought in you can to, get to a narrative and then your, notifica and you? yeah, your notifications are just going off all day. Yeah. And if it's not relevant and it's not particularly interesting, like it is just a bit annoying. Yeah. Uh, so yes. in the words of Taylor Swift, you can literally exclude yourself <laughs> from that narrative. Um, you can also remove a mention from a conversation. So if someone jumps on in your conversation, you can 
can choose to remove them um, and you can choose to tweet only to certain hashtags, interests or like certain friends. Um, so they are all pretty small, but collectively they're just doing a lot more to help users control conversation on Twitter mm -hmm. um, and better moderate you know what people are saying about you and also you know how they're responding to, to what you're saying I was uh, do you know what when I was looking through the features and I'm sure this might be something that you guys have thought about but I was actually thinking that uh, with a lot of these new features there's definitely it seems to me like a focus on some of Twitter's you know ills which are like trolling for instance mm. and you know the whole debate around context it's very easy to say things on twitter and go viral for the wrong reasons yeah. or gain a bit of the notoriety for the wrong reasons yeah. as well so it definitely becomes a more attractive prospect especially for people like celebrities yeah I mean, oh my I'm, God, I'm sure trump's not too bothered about what he's saying 100%. but other people are sort of you know, to engage in conversation yeah. without feeling yeah. like they are going to suddenly be dragged into the mud for something yeah. that they've said. Yeah, no, I'm glad you touched on celebrities because that applies to influencers as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. right now, the only way you can really control how people interact with you is by making your account private, mm -hmm. which is like quite severe and it's really limiting. Um, so for example, this new feature where you can say on a certain tweet, don't let anyone retweet this. So it might be something you still want to put out publicly, but you just don't want other people sharing it. Yeah. It's just giving you that more like nuanced control so you don't have to make, you know, those black and white choices of public and private. It's it's a little bit more of a grey area um, in between. And actually, separate to these uh, updates, what launched this morning was um, the Twitter topics is what it's called. So it's the ability to follow topics and not just users. So right now you can only follow a handle, whereas on Instagram, you know, we can follow hashtags mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that, which really mm -hmm. helps discoverability. It's why everyone uses hashtags on mm -hmm. their Instagram posts. Mm -hmm. um, so now you can do that on Twitter as well. So if you wanted to follow the topic social media, you would then be exposed to anyone tweeting about social media. I think it just works on like specific terms. Yeah. So yeah. when you do a search I'm on Twitter now it's it's very much like just those words so yeah. I assume if I was to make a tweet that had the word social media in it it would come up on topics yeah and then I guess it would be sorted algorithmically with most popular at the top yeah that's yeah. just uh, my speculation sense. though but for for Twitter where discoverability is quite poor yeah you can only it, it only really suggests um like recommended things or like who to follow and a lot of people choose to hide that anyway because yeah, it, it just yeah. pops up in the yeah, feed you need or, to only try to look for something you might have said two years ago on twitter or yeah. a tweet to to have a problem finding it yeah definitely so um, this is a really nice way for you to reach new followers and new users just by tweeting about the things that you know that they're interested in they seem very individual focused as well but what was striking me that was interesting as well is the you know if, i think if you read between the lines as a brand or as a marketer there's maybe some fun to be had with a couple of these features so the option to not let people retweet this or to uh, reach certain people. It sounds almost messenger-esque, dark social-esque, like, you know, building those kind of select communities mm. on Twitter and being able to segment a message to certain people. I think this uh, sort of, uh, you know, kind of approach that we've taken lately of breaking feeds and sort of, you know, going against the grain, as yeah. it were, yeah. to, you know, against the, use, the, the main uses of platforms yeah. to make innovative work. There's definitely going to be a lot of places that brands and marketers can play with. I think. 100%. Yeah, it's something I'm really trying to like encourage people to do recently is 
you know, every time a new platform comes out mm. or something huge like IGTV, everyone gets so excited about it and everyone jumps on it straight away and starts thinking of different ways we can use it. But there is like an absolute wealth of pretty old, simple features already sat there that you can have that same attitude to yeah. if you just think about it. Like there are always creative ways to use a feature. It's just like you're right, having that sort of break the news feed kind of, of mentality. Of course. One of the big stories as well with Twitter, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen this as well, I'm sure a lot of you would have seen this, is this whole uh, discussion around uh, political advertising on social. I mean, you know, in some way or another, most of us have been affected by Cambridge Analytica, or if you're in the US, the US presidential election, and many other Brexit. kind of Brexit, of course, you know, these, these big issues. And... Twitter has sort of come out. Is this this was quite an interesting one. This was a story that broke uh, probably about a week ago now. Yeah. Uh, Twitter coming out and saying that they were from now on banning all mm. political advertising. Mm. Right. Full on blanket ban. Which is which at first you know it's, it's one of those sort of double take headlines. So you think, oh wow, what a, you know what a noble cause that is really really smart. Yeah. What a great thing to do. Yeah. And then it's only when you double take and then you realise, oh, how much does Twitter actually make from political? Mm advertising because all the political ads and all the sort of scandal I hear about operates on Facebook. Yeah. And that's exactly, you know, without going, without giving away too much straight away, that's exactly what they've done. And I, I did look into the numbers and, mm -hmm. you know, believe it or not, I, I believe it was in 2018, Twitter only really made $3 million from yeah. political advertising. Yeah. Now I'll give you the Facebook numbers in a second, but they, what are they? well, they, well, Facebook has, has, has sort of been forced to defend itself. They estimate uh, that they will only make 0.5% of revenue in 2020 from political advertising. But I when mean, you're it's talking... Like, it's like political advertising. How much does it differ from normal advertising? Like people, advertisers make more money on Facebook than they do on Twitter. It's going to be the same for parties. It's a similar, yeah. I, I mean, that, the thing about that 0.5% is, okay, it's, it sounds like a small percentage, but let's take that in the context of a company that makes billions and yeah. billions and billions oh God, every yeah. year. Yeah, it's, all, it it's all relative, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's loads of money. but Yeah. No, you're so right, though. When it first came out, everyone's response was really positive. It was mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, what a great mm -hmm. decision because Facebook had obviously just um, gone to Congress and said that they weren't going to fact-check poli yeah. political ads and Twitter's come out and said, we're just banning them entirely. Um, but, like, a blanket ban has such unintended consequences mm -hmm, that people mm -hmm. don't really think about. Um, for example, like challenger parties, if everyone has to re rely on organic, to some extent it sort of evens the playing field between the main parties. But for smaller parties that maybe won't do as well off organic reach, mm -hmm, probably mm -hmm. definitely won't do it as well off organic them, reach, yeah. um, you know, this is going to really hurt them. And you take someone like Trump, whose tweets, 80% of his tweets get turned into news stories. Yeah. So he's getting that media coverage, yeah. coverage anyway. Um, and obviously they have learned how to use um, ads to their advantage. But like you said, it's mostly on Facebook. Mm, um, mm. The only good thing, well, not the only good thing, but the main good thing I think I can see this doing is hopefully putting that pressure on Facebook. And maybe one day they'll follow suit because that is what's going to have the biggest effect. I, In a way, I sort of see this and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will agree. I see this as kind of marketing 101 by Twitter. They've almost taken their competitors mm kind of, uh, you know, strength, which is obviously advertising and it's notoriety in, in the political sphere yeah. and made that instantly yeah. made that into a complete negative. It's doing so well for its look, image, like PR move, brilliant. Oh, it's, 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 it's like a genius yeah. bit of marketing because not, you know, like we said, not only do Twitter not actually make a lot of money from advertising anyway, it's sort of like, you know, something that's not going to affect 
them in that respect yeah. anyway more than it will hurt yeah. Facebook. I mean, and... the, the Trump people were not happy at all. Mm. They said it was another way to censor like right-wing politics. Um, but actually, um, so I was reading an article the other day. It was an interview with Hillary Clinton, and she said that Facebook, obviously we know Mark Zuckerberg's been having closed-door meetings with Donald Trump, mm -hmm, and he's also mm -hmm. been having closed-door meetings with far-right uh, political news websites. I didn't know this. Where is this yeah. come from? This is a... Uh, oh, I can't. I think is, it, maybe it was an independent of, oh, article I was reading the other day. Um, and the interviewer asked... Oh, no, maybe... I think it was The Guardian. It was The Guardian. Right, okay. Um, and the interviewer asked Hillary Clinton if she thought that there was a connection between these closed-door or meetings and the fact that Facebook has come out and said we won't even fact check political mm -hmm. ads and she you know she was like oh I can't say what goes on behind closed doors but she was like if I was of a conspiratorial mindset I would absolutely suggest that there's a connection there mm -hmm. which I think is very interesting but that is that is worrying because I mean I mean it's a, it's a big big conversation and there's many avenues to it but okay you know we can talk about democracies and we can talk about politics and we can talk about, you know, freedom of speech. But there's freedom of speech and then there's there's lying. Yeah. You know, there's lying to people, which yeah. we've seen before. And, you you know, you can get very sort of political about it and say, you know, politicians have been lying for yeah. years. But this has almost yeah. become the kind of... Uh, I mean, they're not putting they're not putting money behind it. It's not it's not the same when you're when you're spreading lies. And this is this was Dorsey's main argument. Jack Dorsey, who's the Twitter CEO, mm -hmm. his mm -hmm. main argument was the fact that pe politicians or like no one should have the right to put money behind changing people's opinions. Yeah. Um, so people who've actively chosen not to follow certain parties parties or certain politicians, it's taking that choice away from them by just putting money out there and, and using that to reach them, which is what the Trump campaign did, granted mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. Facebook mostly, but Twitter as well. They targeted easily persuadable people, what they call persuadables mm -hmm, in like swing mm -hmm. states, and they targeted them with lies, uh, with sensationalist headlines, uh, fake news about Hillary Clinton, and it worked. So yeah, I, I yeah. can I'm completely understand that argument. But for yeah, for Facebook to come out and say we're not even going to fact check their argument is people should have a right to know when politicians are lying and they have a right to know what they're saying. The fact is, those lies are sometimes it so does. convincing yeah, exactly. you can't tell the difference. It's a, it's an institutionalized version of lying. They've almost given it a pass, haven't they? But what in interests me about this all is, uh, you know, I've got to get my facts right on this, but there, there was an interview a while ago with the uh, YouTube CEO who said basically that YouTube was not really responsible for fact-checking content, not ads, I believe, just content from politicians yeah. and that, you know, it wouldn't put a sort of democratic gag on, you know, what politicians say. So it's interesting that there's always one platform that seems to kind of, you know, go under the sort of cover of darkness a bit while all this yeah. is going on in Facebook. And it does, you I know, mean, it, Snapchat, it raises a wider Snapchat's, um, Snapchat's created a dedicated channel for the candidates of the 2020 election in America. Mm, mm. Um, and I actually don't know what their fact-checking policies are on mm. that. No idea. But I do think there's something to be said between, you know, fact-check checking organic posts and then ads because when there's money involved yeah. that's when yeah. it gets a little that's bit when, ropey because yeah. some have you know a lot more funders than others yeah we have a first question from ollie it's, uh, well it's not a question but nadine's commenting here she's saying facebook not fact checking political ads is upsetting especially when every ad i try to run for a dental clinic gets flagged for offensive material yeah that's it as well isn't it i completely it's, agree it's like how do they how do they make one thing sound so easy and doable mm, mm. but when it's other things that are a lot less harmless 
all of a sudden it's too big of a task to take on. It's yeah. the same with like YouTube did the same thing. Yeah. It was like they were pushing all this controversial stuff to their trending page and then yeah. saying, oh, actually, we don't have the manpower to control that when they 100% do. Yeah, I completely agree with the Dean's point. There's a massive... Uh, hypocrisy surrounding all of this and yeah my, it's when know, it's convenient for them of course of course and it will always be and my interest with this is to see you know we've seen what a kind of hash american politics has made of this i'm interested in seeing this general election how british parties and yeah. british political parties operate knowing that there is that heightened mistrust you know mm. what i mean we're speaking to somebody later about this and sort of saying that um you know there was a sort of time when facebook was ripe for this political advertising we've all grown slightly wiser now i yeah. feel and it'd be interesting to see what the general election looks like compared to yeah, the u.s definitely. presidential election I, um, I read something i think it was like yesterday or the day before um, and it was just someone's opinion on Twitter that said the Tories don't necessarily need a massive campaign now. They just rely on that sort of fear mongering and stuff that's mm, already out there. Mm, and they, they mm. just rely on getting people angry and their rallies are so crucial to mm -hmm, what they do. Mm -hmm. But Labour does. It mm -hmm. needs an outstanding campaign to even get to the level that the Tories are already on. They've always been propped um, up by cash, haven't they? This is the difference. Um, it's, uh... the, the Brexit Party, who if you look into the Brexit Party's um, social media strategy it's really sophisticated I think it was um, like a really long read article I read on Wired that detailed it in full and mm. honestly anyone who's interested in political advertising give that a read because it just it laid it out and honestly opened my eyes to mm -hmm. it um, mm -hmm. and actually this afternoon we're speaking to a PhD who's been researching social media companies use of political ads um, and how that works so hopefully we'll get a lot more insight off the back of that episode as well so we're moving on from politics as well we've we've, we've had a still you know within the subject of Facebook it's the the, the big story really the Facebook rebrand mm. Uh, so to speak. So yeah, they're not Facebook anymore. They're Facebook in capital in letters. letters. And there, was a, yeah. there was a funny <laughs> thing the from, uh, from uh, the Guardian that I saw uh, <laughs> this week. Don't just read the Guardian. We, we, we do read other newspapers, though. We um, mostly the Guardian. Exactly. There's, this was uh, I found this quite interesting. Was that they sort of said Facebook lowercase letters is having problems. Facebook capital letters is absolutely fine and everything's yeah, good. Yeah, I and read the same one. It was like the closing paragraph. It was like because if even if Facebook like steals all your data, Facebook is the doing just fine. Is fine. Yeah, 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 exactly. And this and this is well, I mean, this is clearly a strategic move yeah. against many different things. It's well, first of all, let's talk, let's talk about the logo because that was the first thing that struck me. Yeah. It looks, it borrows the Instagram colour palette. I think I can say that. It's yeah, that so orangey a, purple kind of have, scheme. They have a different version. So on Messenger, it's got like the light blue. Um, the one that sits on the bottom of Instagram will mm. be Instagram's colours. And then same with WhatsApp. They've got a green version as well. And it's WhatsApp by Facebook, Facebook by Facebook, Twitter by Facebook, mm -hmm. you know, Twitter by Facebook, <laughs> Instagram <laughs> no, no. by Facebook. Though. So I have to, you know, go back on that. That acquisition hasn't happened. Uh, not sure if we'll... Oh, that would be awful. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, exclusive no, on social media absolutely at not. first. Can um, I actually, um, I don't know how many people have read the actual announcement that they put up on Facebook Newsroom, but I've got it printed out here and I do want to read it to you because there's, there are parts in it that are so telling. So they said, the new branding was designed for clarity and uses custom typography, blah -de blah People should know which companies make the products they use. Our main services include the Facebook app, Messenger, Instagram, WhatsApp, Oculus, Workplace, Portal and Calibra. We started 
started being clearer about the products and services that are part of Facebook years ago, mm-hmm. adding a company endorsement to products like Oculus Workplace and Portal. And in June, we began including from Facebook within all our apps. Now, when I look at that, the funny, the funniest thing that stands out to me is the fact that they've said, oh, we were doing this. We've been doing this for years. Yeah, just but the most in size font to font. <laughs> yeah. But the most recent update that can actually tell us is June. And that's what makes it so obvious to me that this is a PR move because mm-hmm. they're already on the defensive in the third mm-hmm. paragraph of their announcement. They're already saying, you know, we've been doing this for years and it's funny because we just talked to Alex Hearn obviously about this and um, we said at the time you know are they missing a trick by not peddling it as a transparency move Mm -hmm. and he said they never do that quietly which is completely right and they have set their ears were burning they have taken this angle Um, but if you again look at Facebook newsroom look who it came from it came from their chief marketing officer it didn't come from Mark Um, and that says it all it's a marketing ploy you know we're marketers you're all marketers we're not going to be daft enough to sit here and say that they haven't intentionally chosen the most attractive way to position this. Yeah, completely. And there's, I think one of the main important things with this story as well is in light of all these calls to, I mean, it sort of links back to the politics, all this, these calls to uh, break up uh, Facebook, break up Instagram, mm-hmm. break up WhatsApp. And I've been reading a few interviews with Mark Zuckerberg lately. And, you know, he is very much on the defensive, sort of saying that, you know, Instagram would not be Instagram had it not been without Facebook. And I have mm. to agree, you know, I do have to agree on that I mean, point yeah, no, he's, he's right. There. He is right. It is, but that just absolutely reeks of that corporate pride that Alex was talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a sort of, a, there's, there's that ego, there's that kind of, uh, you know, oh, suddenly the platform that I didn't create is, you know, becoming it's the more fun profile, one. It's sexy, more it's popular. Than mine. And do you know what? I, I kind of get it. Like there is an ego thing there. He must be so frustrated seeing that Instagram gets all the love while Facebook, you know, all the hate is reserved for Facebook, even yeah. though they're coming from the same company. Yeah. And it's the same staff members a lot of the time that are working on developing those apps. So yeah, it is that corporate pride thing. And like you said, this move actually makes it a lot harder for people who are seeking to break up the company mm. to do mm. that. Um, they're very much putting up a united front. And you know, when everyone says Facebook is toxic, it's dying, it's for old people, it's for mm. boomers. We always say, obviously, we know it's a massive company. It's yep. it's very much alive. Yep. And this is Facebook's way of saying that, like, really explicitly. Um, it's and just it's putting up a strong front. Any, I don't, on that note, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a platform that's predominantly boomers or you know, older millennials no. or past. It's the fact that, that, that a lot of people a... talk about that in the negative light, saying exactly. that, oh, it means it's becoming irrelevant. And Facebook mm. wants to come out and say, we're nothing, you know, we're anything but irrelevant yeah. because we're not just big blue with this, this, this and this as well. Of course, they've diversified yeah. really, really well. I suppose the question is, what does it mean to uh, us and all of you guys? Probably nothing in the immediate sort of I mean, no. sense, does it? Yeah, so I was having to think about this the other day and you really have to, like everyone I'm sure does, have to... They'll have their own personal opinions about Facebook and everything that's going on. But we have to sort of look at it from our business heads as well. Mm. And I think it would be a shame or slightly chaotic (laughs) if Facebook was broken up because we've built business models around how it currently works. You know, if like Alex mentioned, we're quite privileged to have um, the ability to run ads with one United dashboard. And we know that the platforms kind of follow similar rules. You know, we don't have to set up loads of different ad sets. We can we can work quite collaboratively, uh, collaboratively in mm-hmm. that way. And if Facebook was broken up, you know, I don't know what would happen. It would make our processes a lot harder. And yeah, it is sort of that unknown. So while it might be better yeah. for like public, I don't know. It's the whole business public I, debate, I, I isn't it? I think it? Up, broken up to what end? 
you know, yeah. what 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 is that going to solve? What is that going yeah. to achieve? What is that gone. going to, you know, what's yeah. the, aside from it being a sort of political posturing sort of move, yeah. you know, like we can still kind and of it, make this. Do you know what? Even though transparency wasn't, well, I don't believe it was the motive mm -hmm. uh, for mm -hmm. them doing this. It is still a result of it. It is still them being transparent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they haven't lied about that angle. They've just picked it as the most attractive one. But it is true. Like, that is something that's going to make it obvious to people that these apps are owned by Facebook and then they're informed enough to make a decision on whether or not they want to keep using those apps. Yeah. And let's not forget the merging of messaging platforms, which is obviously this this kind of, uh, I suppose this is an important milestone onto the eventual merging of Instagram Direct and mm. WhatsApp and yeah. Messenger. They are pushing ahead with encryption as well. They actually um, announced the other day that they're going to be, they are testing or they're going to be testing encryption in calls. Um, On Messenger was that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was Messenger and WhatsApp, I think, which... Um, I didn't read the full article, but they they did touch on the fact that they're moving forward this with this encryption mm -hmm. across the two platforms. Um, so they are finding ways to do that. So you know, even it's one of those things, isn't it? Another mm -hmm. thing where mm -hmm. everyone's giving Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook all this advice, and they're saying, "Okay, we hear you, but we're going to do what we want to do anyway." <laughs> also, you know, while we're on that subject, interesting to hear what you guys think of encryption. And you know, you've obviously experienced it with WhatsApp. You know, many of you, I'm sure, use WhatsApp. But what you think about encryption? across social should everything be hidden out of sight um or should you know does it make sense to have encryption on one platform or not on many others so you know uh be interesting to start a dialogue about that uh but it's not all facebook is it you know there's the the, the nope. social media landscape is very vast indeed and one of the players that's been in it for a few years now you know into great success has been tiktok yeah obviously yeah a platform that's doing very, very well. And one thing we always say when we talk about TikTok is, yeah, it's great, but how are people going to make money on it? Well, they've come out mm. with a new, um, well, it was a pitch deck that they've sent to um, some agencies across Europe. Um, and DigiDay did a report on it. And it basically outlines TikTok's plan for advertising um, probably in early 2020 now, mm -hmm. although they mm -hmm. have been making um, some steps towards it in the last few months. I think they had some models that were tested um, over the summer in America only. Um, and from what I understand, they are testing two um, like beta advertising models and one of them's cost per click and one of them, so it's just like your standard cost per click model and then another one's optimized. So mm -hmm. um, you can like better choose, uh, you know, who you're targeting and, and how you're doing that. Um, I have actually got a list somewhere of how... I think I've got that same list. Was it like, uh, the, you know, there's options to target by location, yeah. age, yeah. smartphone, operating yeah. system. That's so it's what very, I thought was very interesting. sophisticated. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, it, and, and that... Again, that operating system thing, that's that's something you don't think about. But, you know, how do iOS users uh, yeah. act differently from Android? You know, certain features, yeah. certain behaviors. Certain, yeah. You can go so meta with it now. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm really glad because from a platform that started out as just um, a way to do organic reach, mm. um, you know, the fact that they're actually bringing in these advertising tools shows us that they're really serious about it. And they've got a good chance. They've got 800 million yeah. users. Yeah. That is a lot. If you compare that to Snapchat, Snapchat yeah. just touched like... Uh, 297 million yeah, users, I think. That, yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely unreal. Um, the only thing is they're not self-serve ads yet on TikTok, but they do plan for that to be the case. Yeah, As right now I think you need a Twitter rep to so you set up the ad and then TikTok the Twitter rep, um, the TikTok <laughs> rep runs it for you, but they will be self-serve soon. It's uh, I, I, I still find TikTok a fascinating platform, honestly, and uh, you know having 
sort of done a bit of research into it in the past, you know, yeah. and, and sort of knowing those guys in a way. We're having a, live, uh, we're having a live moment right now. What's happening is yoga is in the room next door and people oh, are being noisy. Is, so right. Ollie's just told them to go and be quiet. Right. Very <laughs> told you live, anything could happen. Exactly, yeah. So, so right, they've, they've been shut up probably. <laughs> have you worked too much? it's fine. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, back to TikTok. I mean, and, and also, you know, there's a habit of talking about it like this, uh, you know, massive place to see Gen Z and all of that. But, you you know, you do browse TikTok and you see other demographics on there as well. So it, it's yeah. not just uh, what I'm trying to say is be short sighted to think that your only audience that yeah. exists on there are Gen Z, you know, look beyond oh, that. It's especially. not the case anymore. Like so many celebrities have started joining it recently mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. publishers as well. The Washington Post has a really creative account is the mm, only way I can describe mm. it. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, go check out the Washington uh, Washington Post on TikTok because it's, uh, yeah, bizarre, but but fun. You know, it showcases different ways that you yeah. can use it. You know, people look at TikTok like they first did with Snapchat when it came along and they think, what is this new thing just for young people? I don't understand. I'm not even going to try and bother with it. Yeah. But if an establishment as old as the Washington Post, which is a newspaper, can do something fun that's got people talking on other mm. social platforms as well, then absolutely anyone can. You know, yeah. um, Gordon Ramsay's joined, Reese Witherspoon's joined. Wow. Do you not think it's like the only Chinese app that has done this well in the West? Like its growth in America has been unreal. See, to be honest, the only one I can think of. I mean, we've not got WeChat or anything yeah. yet, have we? But this is the this this is the interesting thing with 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 this, isn't it? It's that the uh, fact that you know, it can enter the US market where Facebook can mm. enter the Chinese yeah. market. And yeah. that's, you know, definitely yeah. uh, been an interesting one. We actually have but, a link. Um, um, I've got a link to the pitch deck that we've been talking about where they go into full detail about all the different types of advertising that you can do. And they've got some case studies in there. Um, I think one that I remember was the Vans. Um, they had a case study from them. So I'll put the link in the group after this so you guys can check out and read it in full uh, because you don't want us bastardizing all the numbers if we try and <laughs> remember them all off by heart. Oh, yeah. We've got uh, we've got a question. Well, not Facebook related, but Nadine again has asked. Hi, Nadine. <laughs> have you heard about the Pinterest region targeting? I'll be honest, I haven't. I haven't read about that story in particular, but I know Ol Yonchev, our US managing director, talks about uh, the opportunities you can have on Pinterest all the time. And it is it's some it's like Reddit and, and mm. Twitch. It's mm. one of those platforms we do tend to overlook, but it's probably worth paying attention to. You know, especially more and more, we're hearing stories about people wanting to diversify away from Facebook mm -hmm. if if they want a platform that's a little bit less controlling. And I thought. I've always thought Pinterest has really great use cases for certain things. So anything that like is built in, um, like has aesthetics built into it, like interior design and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And influencers as well have a lot of opportunity to use Pinterest. So if they're adding more tools to their advertising arsenal, you know, it only goes to show that there are, there's a lot more that we can do with Pinterest that we're not doing already. Yes, um, have to agree with all of that. It's definitely a sleeping giant. Yeah. I think it never, it never it had well. like a lot of advertising capabilities before, which is why I don't think we've paid that much attention mm, to it. Again, it was mm, one of those platforms. It's a curation space. Exactly, that you assume is, you know, very organic, very a space for the users and not for the brands. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And something that a lot of people interact with privately. So they'll have their private collections of feeds um, that, they, that they won't share. But that's not to say that won't evolve. Completely. Going from a space 
to brands to a space for publishers. Snapchat Discover, which was a great revelation that we saw uh, this month, that is, you know, having massive success yeah. uh, lately. And I was actually, you know, doing some reading up around this as well. And it was uh, quite interesting to hear Evan Spiegel, the uh, CEO of uh, Snap Inc., which owns Snapchat, basically saying that uh, the two decisions that they made, the self-serve ads platform that they've brought to Snapchat mm -hmm. and also the redesign that everybody absolutely hated when it came out have been two of their biggest kind of successes in a, in a sort of way. And as a result, it, they've said that those two things as a result, its stock price increased by 175%. Mm. Yeah. Which is, which just goes to show the uh, foresight of a business leader, CEO, that, you know, they know what they're doing, yeah. even if, you know, social erupts in such a way that... Yeah that they did when it came to that redesign, especially. Exactly. You know, at the end of the day, uh, Evan Spiegel, like we've touched on before, is a really good product designer. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And it, it makes me quite, like, proud in hindsight to think about the reaction from Snapchat's redesign and for them to have stuck to their guns. And now, actually, if you think about it, because what that redesign did is give Discover its own place, yeah. now Discover is becoming a great source of revenue for Snapchat and for the publisher's on that platform, mm -hmm. it was it was a good decision, mm -hmm. you know, in the end. Mm -hmm. um, so there are actually 450 premium shows on Snapchat Discover. They added 50 in the last quarter alone. So premium content has grown by more than 55% internationally year on year, which if you look at that, the numbers are massive yeah yeah they I do their was, shows um, don't they so they're like snapchat snapchat snap originals yeah, are they yeah they've got snap originals which is like fiction stuff but in discover there are like certain channels that companies sometimes have their own so cosmopolitan has their mm. own and then there are ones like the dodo um which like different people get involved in mm. but the dodo is really popular um and i was reading some results from cosmo and they say their describe um subscriber growth has grown 40 percent year on year and now it's becoming very very profitable for them. So that mm. they're actually profiting from that. Um, and that's just from ad revenue. So if you look at Facebook, they actually pay their publishers directly. So that's how publishers um, like benefit from being on that platform. And Snapchat used to pay them a fee, but they don't anymore. Um, but the fact that they're able to profit just from ad revenue alone so just shows like yeah, how many ad buyers are interested in these. So recently, obviously, we talked about the fact that Snapchat's made it a lot easier for advertisers to target different people. And they've been advising um, the publishers and brands working on Snapchat, they can tell them which users they can target based on how long they watch content mm, for. So mm. they know who's more likely to watch Discover and long form, who's more likely to swipe up on a commercial, who's more likely to watch the six second ads. And then the fact that they're you know, giving that data to advertisers and Discover's been a massive part of that. They are just growing up um, yeah. as an advertising platform. And as a result, the user numbers are up as well. We've gone from uh, up 7 million, I think it was in Q3, to 210 million users now. Yeah. So there is growth there, yeah. certainly. Yeah, Siobhan agrees here saying Snapchat Discover is definitely coming for Facebook Watch and IGTV. Yeah, like Facebook Watch. It's passed me by Facebook I'm Watch. Still... IGTV, I'm a fan of IGTV for yeah, the few really vloggers like that I follow because they, they put funny content on there. I There's think you're an anomaly there. Like. Does anyone else watch IGTV? Because I still haven't <laughs> caught on. I and still I, haven't I caught on. Feel for, I think the single biggest thing for me as well was the uh, previews in the feed. You know, if I'm yeah, watching content from the helps. BBC or that whoever or, or these, or, you know, publishers or Washington yeah. Post, whoever, you know, the ability of, of sort of, if I'm 30 seconds into watching a video, I'm going to watch you're the rest of IGTV, yeah, you know, whether it's that a minute or 10 really, minutes, whatever. That is a really good point. Because, so smart. Yeah, I, I will always finish the video if I'm interested in it and I'm moving to IGTV without even realising. Mm, um, mm. I 
what I don't do is head to IGTV like first and foremost. Yeah, I'd yeah. go, you know, I'm gonna go and spend some time there now. I'm it's the somewhere same. that they take me. But that was actually a really clever move mm. from Instagram mm. to do that because you know, like we saw it on our own um IGTV video figures, as soon as they made that preview in the feed available, views just skyrocketed. Yeah. Like they went from like zero to a hundred, literally. Yeah. Though though admittedly it would be interesting to see the numbers, but I wonder if it has done everything and more that Instagram initially expected it to do. It seems like one mm, of those sort of... True. But again, you know. slow burner. If you look at what's happening with Snapchat, could we not call the, the redesign a slow burner? Mm, very true, you know, very sometimes true. I mean, you think... Ago, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes you think they push these updates on us that we didn't want, we didn't ask for, but we didn't ask for newsfeed. Yeah. That changed everything. So, you know, sometimes you do have to assume that they know best and, you know, it must be scary for them because features do crush and burn yeah. and products yeah. and apps do crush and burn, but that's Talk a risk they're willing to take. And I guess sometimes it pays off. Talking of crashing and burning, a few choice so emojis great. have crashed and burned, haven't they? And oh my I mean, God, this yeah. was a, I can't imagine other than, you know, who would have asked for these uh, sort of emojis to be banned? But there's yeah. the uh, it's well, it's Instagram, isn't it? What we're talking about Instagram, Instagram and the, Facebook, Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. So there's been a ban. You know, if political ads weren't enough, there's been a ban on suggestive emojis, which include the aubergine or eggplant. eggplant. If you're listening stateside, the peach, which I believe is. Both the, still called a peach in the US as well. Um, what else was there? There's, there's the a, there's water droplets. The water droplets. They're like three little, little drops of, of water. Saying that these are... And, <laughs> I mean, I have to please answer on a postcard. I can't... I've never understood why the aubergine became a kind of sex symbol. I don't know if, I don't know if we should. Like, I don't know it, if we should go into that right now. PG for this... For this podcast, but Fiona, we need to have a talk about the birds and the bees. Yeah, but, exactly. but we'll, we'll do that when we start it. I was like, oh, it's just an aubergine, isn't it? But yeah, so I mean, I'm <laughs> no, but completely... so, that, so that's the point. Like those emojis were not intended to be sexual when they were created. People have just appropriated them. So we will appropriate other emojis if these ones aren't able to be used in that context anymore. Um, but you know, going back to Nadine's point, what is interesting is how can Facebook say they can't check these things? Mm, they can't fact check mm. certain things, but they know the. Context Context or its AI knows the context of when an emoji is being used in a sexual way. I find that it's very convenient, isn't it? Baffling. A lot of people I, are saying it's like censorship, and I don't, are we? Would you agree with that? Well, there's the whole sort of you know, there's the free the nipple movement, isn't there? There's Ooh. a sort of maybe a sexual censorship that goes mm. on on Instagram and on I mean, Facebook. Is it that they've got a duty of care to their younger users to yeah, not? Yeah, maybe, those, is, maybe they're just trying to be really I PG friendly. I don't really know friendly. the reason behind it. But, uh, PG friendliness. I mean, yeah, I think so. It's it includes it's not just posts and comments. It's chats as well on Instagram Direct mm. and Facebook Messenger. And I think it's because you know some people do get sent really creepy messages, yeah, and it's something yeah. that you want to stop. So without you having to intervene with that or block them, yeah. if they they can intercept a creepy sexual message before it gets to you, uh, you know. But sometimes it's That's not interesting, unwanted. Actually, has it become? I need to get the context on this, but it's get you know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is it that the Emojis themselves are not banned. You can use the emoji. Mm. It's banned and it's flagged when it's in a yeah. sexual, suggestive, whatever you want to call it, context. Yeah, no, 100%. They've actually said that... Um yeah, no, the emojis aren't banned altogether at all. It's just when they're used in a suggestive context. So I wonder then if they have become sort of symbols to help an algorithm, to help an AI detect 
all these messages. I mean, we don't know yeah, how many people yeah. are using the aubergine emoji. No, definitely. They um, so Facebook's AI actually uses a whole range of emojis to do that. They mm. they use them as um, indicators on the context of conversation. Mm. So not just for like sexual things, for like um, like anything like mm, mm. terrorism child abuse mm, racism mm. you name it like they do use emojis because like we know how hard is it to decipher the tone or like what someone means via text yeah like it's really hard and that's you know one of the reasons emojis first came along mm. um so yeah facebook absolutely uses that and yeah no they're not being banned it's just like when they're um used suggestively um mm. but someone brought up a really interesting point and it's the fact that People use these emojis in a sexual context, yes, but also for a positive cause. Mm -hmm. um, so, th for example, the NHS in England might want to educate people about um, STIs um, mm. and how to avoid them or like getting yourself tested and to treated. And, and if stuff. they want to speak to young people or make it, you know, just a little bit more engaging because it's not maybe the most engaging topic in the world, they'll yeah. want to chuck a few emojis in there. And it's just like, you'd hope that they wouldn't get caught in the ban and just say, no, you know, that's not allowed. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of um, talk around freedom of expression for sex workers, yeah. things yeah. like that. Uh, again, it's just unintended consequences. And when you're relying on AI and non-human ways of, of fact-checking certain yeah. things, checking the tone, there's always going to be like margin for error. So we'll I say. guess the, the, the lesson for this is to look out to avoid downranking, to avoid your content being flagged. Yeah, or are... just don't be creepy with them. Exactly. Just don't be creepy if, with if them. If you're sharing a picture of your moussaka that you've just made, is just that a do euphemism? so in a, not a euphemism. <laughs> no, I've not been able to look at moussaka the same, but if you are, do so in a non Descript, suggestive way. I love me so just for eating purposes. Yeah, exactly, me too. And peach squash me too. and all sorts of things. And anyways, what a sort of note to end it on. Well, I mean, we don't necessarily have to end it here. I suppose we should ask if there are any other questions. Anyone watching? Nothing, nothing been yet. But uh, well, of course, if you do want to ask us some questions, if you've not been able to tune into. Uh, this one at this time for any reason you know you can still ask us questions on the Facebook group and yeah I think the video is going to sit uh, as a video so when the live stream ends the video will still be available for everyone to watch and what I'd be interested to know as well is whether people think we should do this kind of thing but with our guests as well yeah, yeah. so maybe just yeah. we, we could start obviously by doing these breaking socials but then would it work well with the guest as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I would have to pick a good guest and make sure that they didn't trip up. Uh, <laughs> I hope it no doesn't pressure. put people off. But yeah, no, if if you guys enjoyed this, then hopefully we can do something on our public channels as well, not just the group. Yeah, make it bigger, bigger and it. bigger and bigger. Let's do it. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for thank taking you. time out of your day. And if you're listening to this later, we hope you enjoy it. And I guess we'll say goodbye there. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 